Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Transformation Radio. from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 7 through 30. Here's a bit of an overview of what we'll be reading about here in Scripture today in the New Testament. The evil spirits knew that Jesus was the Son of God, but they had no intention of following Him. Many people followed Jesus but didn't understand His true purpose for coming. Some people came for miracles. Some came to hear His teaching, but they didn't understand the way of the cross. Knowing about Jesus or even believing that He is God's Son does not guarantee salvation. You must also follow and obey Him. Now Jesus warned the evil spirits not to reveal His identity because He didn't want them to reinforce a popular misconception. 
See, the huge crowds were looking for a political and military leader who would free them from Rome's control. And they thought that the Messiah, predicted by the Old Testament prophets, would be this kind of man. Jesus wanted to teach the people about the kind of Messiah he really was. Jesus calls you, and he wants you. Answer this call thoughtfully, seriously, in consultation with other Christians saying, Yes, Lord, I love you. I want to obey you and follow you. He'll show you the way. Now, from the hundreds of people who followed him from place to place, Jesus chose 12 to be his apostles. Now, the word apostle means messenger or authorized representative. Why did Jesus choose 12 disciples? The number 12 corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel, showing the continuity between the old religious system and the new one based on Jesus' message. Many people follow Jesus, but these 12 received the most intense training. Now, Christians sometimes wonder if they've committed this sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Christians need not worry because this sin is attributing to the devil the work of the Holy Spirit. It reveals a hard attitude of unbelief and unrepentance. A deliberate, ongoing rejection of the work of the Holy Spirit is blasphemy because it's rejecting God Himself. The religious leaders accused Jesus of blasphemy. But ironically, they were the guilty ones when they looked Jesus in the face and accused Him of being possessed by Satan. All right, with that, let's begin our reading today. Here in the New Testament... February 18th, the New Testament, Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 30. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day. So all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God! But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the twelve he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law, who had arrived from Jerusalem, said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan, he asked. 
a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying, He's possessed by an evil spirit. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11. Here's what we'll read about today in Psalms. We should never envy evil people, even though some may be extremely popular or excessively rich. No matter how much they have, it will fade and vanish like grass that withers and dies. Those who follow God live differently from the wicked and, in the end, will have treasures in heaven. To commit ourselves to the Lord means entrusting everything our lives, families, jobs, possessions, to His control and guidance. To commit ourselves to the Lord means to trust in Him, believing that He can care for us better than we can care for ourselves. We really need to be willing to wait patiently for Him to work out what is best for us. Psalm 37, verses 1-11, through 11, a Psalm of David. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. He will make your innocent radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper, or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but He refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich.
Scripture reading begins in verse 17 of Exodus chapter 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out, both yourself and these people who are with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then... Teach them the statutes and the laws, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk, and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. People oftentimes develop a desire for something that is not in God's plan for them. When they fail to attain what their heart is set on, the desire can build into intense, unrelenting pressure. Christians who are consumed by covetousness have ceased to depend on God. To reach a goal, some will manipulate circumstances because they've lost faith in the Lord's ability to know what's best and provide it. Such behavior indicates a rejection of God's sovereignty. Then fear becomes an issue as the person chases harder and harder after the object of his desire. The consequences of jealousy are painful. A believer's spiritual sensitivity can be weakened to the point that he no longer hears when God speaks to him. As a Christian distances himself from the Lord, an envious attitude is likely to breed ungratefulness. It's hard to be thankful for the things one has when the focus is on what's lacking. Covetousness leads to a life of tension and worry. Jethro wisely advised his son-in-law Moses to search for assistants who hated ill-gotten gain. These men were more interested in what God provided for them than in what they could acquire for themselves. 
If we want to be like them, we must focus on God's purpose for our life. When we're sensitive to His voice, He will teach us to distinguish between desires falling within His will and those that lie beyond. Believers have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to help us resist the lure of wrong desires. Covetousness does not have to be our downfall. Chasing stars, heart racing, you amazing, never said any indication In a world of unlimited information, beyond imagination, you get really got skies blazing
Geraldyn Morgan, who is a relationship specialist from Nashville, Tennessee, submitted to Minute with Maxwell today the word unwavering. Geraldyn, I see you're a relationship specialist, and you know if you deal with relationships and help people try to get together, you know that this is a very important word. Because unwavering means I'm solid, steadfast. I'm like a rock. I'm not going to move. I think the reason this word is so significant today in our culture is because there's not a lot of unwavering people or unwavering things in our lives. Very few people can you really count on to have your back. Very few things that you could perhaps can go to that just is solid, that's going to always be there. In fact, in our culture today, I think that loyalty, uh, steadfastness, uh, the security of having somebody beside you unconditionally loving you, unwavering in their spirit and attitude towards you. If you've got that kind of a friend, can I tell you something? You're a wealthy person. I had a psychologist professor in college one time said that if you have one or two great friends, you are a lucky person. And I didn't understand that as a college kid. I thought I got a bunch of friends. You know what he was saying? If you have one or two people that are unwavering, they're just there for you, solid secure, unconditional love, then you're a lucky person. I think my prof was right.
Tyler Pack here with Transformation Radio, and I have here today with me Crescencio Melcher, who is getting ready to go to the fourth phase house today, and he'd like to share a testimony with you. Hello, this is Crescencio Melcher, and first and foremost, before I say anything, I just wanted to thank uh, Pastor Tom and Pastor Bill and Pastor Kirby, Dr. Duke, Dr. Dave, and all my brothers, anybody that's showed me any special attention, and, and just the refuge and in general for making me the man I've become today and eventually the better man I will become later in life. I plan on on living and sticking around the refuge for quite some time. I plan on giving back and I'm very excited to move to fourth phase today because it gives me the opportunity to actually give back myself. It actually, I get to own a piece of the refuge. I get to be authentic to myself. I get to really own my Christianity and know that what I'm doing is because I want to do it and I'm excited for that. I'm excited to form new relationships with my brothers and and give back. In third phase, a lot of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome were my pride. I never really had true faith in myself. I had faith in God, but I always felt like I was going to fall short. And I feel like this eight months here in third phase, I had to get over a lot of that stuff. A lot of pride. I had to to put down that wall and I had to get help from people that normally I wouldn't want to ask for help. I had to really trust my brothers and my pastors and, and, you know, for them to point out and show me like what I need to work on and really receive it day in and day out. And I did this every day. I worked, came home, I gave back, I talked to my brothers, I went to outreach, I lived like a normal man lives for eight months, and I know that sounds odd, but a lot of us, especially me, weren't used to doing that. It really helped me grow on a day-to-day basis, doing it day in and day out for eight months, and I got to the point now when I go home on weekends, and, and I'm home, and I'm relaxing with my family, I have to be doing something, you know, I get up at seven in the morning, and my dad's wondering, why, why are you getting up so early, you know, I don't get up till 11, you know, and it's because I've, I made this way now, the refuge has changed like me, has changed like my core being, and God has changed my core being, and I'm a changed man thanks to the refuge, and each phase offering me the next level to grow to. I'm just really excited to get into fourth phase now and work on myself some more because above all the refuge the refuge showed me that a relationship with God is most important follow that man and he will show you he'll refine your characteristics and turn you ultimately into the person that you've always wanted to become but sometimes never knew it and second and this is one of the most important reasons I'm excited to go to fourth phase is that relationship with others I'm excited to give back to my brothers, to be there when they need me. And because of third phase, because of going to work every day, because of coming back after coming to work, going to work every day and being there for them, I'm used to doing that. I'm conditioned to do that and I want to do that. So now I get the chance to every day going into fourth phase. So guys, I'm going to be around. I'll be here. You'll see me. I'm not going anywhere. I plan on on sticking with the refuge for the rest of my life. I was always hesitant of saying that, but I truly mean that. God bless you and all my brothers. Thank you.
Hey everyone, Tyler Pack here with Transformation Radio, reminding you that this weekend on Saturday is Family Day in Lancaster for Phase 2 Men. This is a chance to rebuild restoration through God and for families to see how much the men have transformed. Also, on Sunday is Encounter in Lancaster where the men from Discovery have a chance to meet and fellowship with men from other phases to see how God is working in their lives and throughout the ministry. It's also a chance to encounter God in a real and personal way. I encourage everyone to have an open heart to what God has in store for you this weekend. Have fun and be blessed. Oh 
been there. And that does it for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.